we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Well, there is that old saying that goes, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> and, you know, that uh, expression, that the origins of what I tell you right there, goes back to the 1600s, actually. Uh, the, the idea of this was written by Anthony Weldon in 1651, the court and character of King James. Uh, when he said, oh, the Italians have a proverb, uh, he that deceives me once, it's his fault, but if twice, it's my fault. Why do I tell you all that to start with? Well, when you get COVID once, you get it twice, and you kind of don't pay attention sometimes to the details, and it's a shame on you, isn't it now? Uh, welcome here, my fellow Americans, to uh, America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, along with... Dr. Peter McCullough. Malcolm, great to have you back. Uh, yeah, we were off last week, and uh, it's good to be back with you. Now, let's go through this, because I, I think this is an interesting little case study. And you and I have not talked off ear about this. I intentionally didn't talk to you when we spoke the other day about this, specifically because I wanted to talk on ear with you, so it's spontaneous and, and live. So... All right, so about Thursday, uh, the 28th of July, I got, uh, typically what I find this new variants are doing now, they're, they're starting with the throat, aren't they? The throat? They are. That, that's a distinct change, but it's been my observation, BA5 mm -hmm. starts with a sore throat, similar to a common cold. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, because there's some commonalities here, but some unique, unique points too, I want to point out. So, all right. So that's something I didn't remember the first shot out, the throat, that that wasn't really the problem, but it was this time. Started with a crazy throat there. Now, the one thing, the one predictable thing I've discovered with this whole COVID thing is that it's unpredictable. <laughs> uh, there's, that's the one predictable thing you could count on. It's that it's just unpredictable. And you know, let's face it, this thing is not designed for the human body. It's, it's, it's a weapon against the body. And it finds you know, three ways to Sunday to get at you. So I started with, and I don't know how this sets up, uh, Dr. McCullough with others, but I got fever, chills, uh, high, high fevers, uh, and that ran uh, several days, runny nose, that kind of thing, different symptoms. Than the, it's like a whole different parade. But then here's what really stood out to me that I'm perplexed with is the severe head aches, the migraines, my equilibrium being off. Now, this went on for multiple days where and the head is just pounding. You cannot focus. You cannot concentrate. Uh, is that anything, have you heard that? Is that unique? Is that routine? Yeah, Malcolm, it's definitely characteristic of a second okay. COVID infection. You know, you don't have these symptoms with a common cold. We all right. get, exactly. uh, you know, adults typically get four common colds a year. Some people are blessed and they get fewer. But the bottom line is we don't have fever, raging headaches, uh, these types of symptoms. Uh, I would lay odds that this is as now a second case that, uh, in fact, you probably early on had the Delta variant and now you've just mm -hmm. experienced BA5. Yeah, definitely had Delta early on. My wife and I both had that. You know that. We were in the heat of it. We got it at the wrong time of the battle there uh, because we, we we suffered through that big time and, and almost uh, lost my wife on that, as, as listeners know. 
But um, so, but the, what you just said, the the head, the 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 what you say, the 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 blare in the head. It's like you can't. It's it, it's like here's the thing I want to say. It, there's nothing normal about this COVID thing, and I think you agree with it. It's like okay, it's not just a normal head problem or migraines or like your head has fallen off you, but it's the kind of thing that it just pounds at you and it won't go away. It's still there. Did, did you experience that yourself? No, I didn't, but so many patients have. And, you know, I'll point to the papers. There's a whole series of papers published by first author Fazio, F-A-Z-I-O. I'm on some of the papers. And he has found that the most useful drugs are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents, far better than Tylenol. So that means the use of naproxen sodium or Aleve or the use of ibuprofen or Motrin. You know, my favorite are the Aleve naproxen sodium blue gel caps, 220 milligrams. Can take two every 12 hours. Certainly add Tylenol to it. But a principle of headache, Malcolm, is you want to hit the headache hard and extinguish the pain. The more there's headache pain, there's more there's vasoconstriction and additional pain. So pain is a cycle in terms of the head and you want to break it. Yeah, wow, that's uh, that's uh, well said. You know, I remember you talking about the blue uh, pills there. The um, uh, and uh, I, back when we were doing Delta, and I remember that and went for those this particular time to try to uh, uh, alleviate some of that. Anyways, it, it it was very interesting, and I guess there are a lot of questions that come out of this, and I see all the listener questions that come in. And they wonder, oh, can I get it again? Why do I get it again? I'm healthy. And, you know, that's some of the things, kind of takeaways for me that I, I think some people can relate to. I take care of my immune system. I'm, I'm very driven to that end. I'm, I'm very, uh, I stay very healthy, uh, eat right, that sort of thing. So COVID doesn't, it, uh, I don't know how it picks its prisoners, uh, Dr. McCullough, but it seems to, I mean, like I wouldn't necessarily, I would think be a candidate for this next one, especially with a different uh, variant like this, but it, it doesn't, uh, it, it doesn't just discriminate, does it? It just goes right after you, whoever it is. For whatever reason, we don't really know, do we? Well, you know, I have, to, I have some commentary. Uh, do you know what your risk factor may be for this second acquisition? Uh, you actually no. may not have as much immune rechallenge in your life. And what I mean by this hmm. is you take a, a, a daycare worker or a kindergarten teacher hmm. or somebody who works at Starbucks where there's a million people coming in a day. You know, they have so many immune rechallenges. Uh, th there is an observation that people who just have a massive amount of people contact, they're relatively protected because they're constantly getting little mm. uh, exposures. Uh, you know, well, you and I are working in our house and we're just right. not out there with right. people so much. When you do come into contact with someone, boom. Mm. Boy, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm in my studio a lot. Uh, so I don't have that hand-to-hand -hand contact as much as I used to. Uh, when I when I was the man around town, and not so much anymore. I'm I'm in the trenches here, uh, making this thing work. So, anyways, uh, very interesting. These first couple of uh, uh, questions are kind of play to some of what we're talking about, and let me put them out there because they're they're very interesting. Uh, this first one comes from Andrew. He says, "Thank you both for the ongoing beacon of light and hope." that I get each week. God bless you, Andrew. I am unvaccinated and work for a healthcare system that granted my religious exemption, thankfully. I had COVID November, 2020, then Omicron in December, 2021. 
I'm sorry to say that the new variant has broke through again, as I just came down with my third bout of COVID. I'm generally healthy and eat well. I, I, I have uh, been uh, uh, poor with exercise as my kids are extremely busy. Yeah, uh, I do. I have a little IG problem, a GI problem rather, nothing big there. How do I lower my risk in the future? Uh, or is it correct that the vaccinated will keep uh, per perpetrating uh, mutants that to break through? What do you have to say to that? You know, it's relatively clear now that the large number of vaccinated individuals and, uh, you know, I can tell you, for example, uh, non-Hispanic men and women over 65 in the United States, 98% of them took the vaccine. So I, I am telling you right now that, that this is largely an illness among a population that's fully vaccinated. Mm. And so I think there will be more variants. The vaccine immunity is very monolithic. And there's a process called immune imprinting. And there are two papers, one by Aditi and the other one by Wheatley in 2021. That said, if we give everybody the same vaccine and the vaccine codes against a legacy Wuhan spike protein, the immune system has given been given such a strong stimulus, but being misdirected is being misdirected against a target that doesn't exist. The virus kind of comes around the back end and comes around the back entrance and uh, with a variant like Omicron BA4, BA5, easily reinfects. The immune system is distracted now. The vaccines have backfired and we would have been much better off not taking them. Now, it sounds, in his, sounds like in his case, he's not vaccinated. And so the key uh, feature there is we have to get into oral and nasal hygiene. People are out every day. They're not coming home and using the oral and nasal washes that we've talked about so much on yeah. the show. That's yeah. the first line of defense. Yeah, it sure is. And by the way, I went to all of that. I went to the nasal hygiene. I went to Cofix Rx. I went to Healthy Cell. I went to all of those things. I doubled up on them, in other words, and uh, tried to make it was specifically the Healthy Cell. Uh, but uh, yeah, I kind of related a lot to this com uh, this question comment also from Andrew uh, with, you know, unvaccinated, of course, and uh uh, but have had it now, and and people are wondering, can I get it again? But here's the tricky thing: is what you just said here, uh, Peter, is that um, this thing finds a way to get in the back door with you. I mean, it just comes around the corner and slams you again. I never thought in my wildest dreams that when we started this journey, I, I really, I, I'm completely perplexed. I mean, I never thought we'd be talking about this three years later. I just, it never dawned on me. I thought it will get hit hard for about a year and a half, but by two years, we're done with this thing. It's over and out of here. That didn't happen, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. You know, I personally uh, had it during the time of the alpha variant, uh, you know, well-diagnosed and documented case. And then around Christmas time, I'm nearly certain I had Omicron. I got sick while well, two people in the house with me uh, had tested positive for COVID. And I can tell you this much, 85% of the transmission happens in the house. So if you're in a household with other people and one person gets COVID and they test positive, and then you get sick and you have all the characteristic features, there's a 99% chance that's COVID. Some people say, well, do I need to get a test? And I said, well, what's the context? Oh, everybody in my house has it. It's like, <laughs> well, the bottom line is you have it. But I can tell you personally, I'm also consider myself very healthy. You know, since the outbreak of uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, I personally have had probably two to four colds. Yeah. And I've recently gotten through a, a sequence of colds that just wrecked my voice for a month. People were commenting, you know, Dr. McCullough, your voice sounds terrible. 
And, and these, <laughs> these weren't characteristic COVID yeah. infections, and I didn't test. But I can tell you this much. Uh, what I'm doing now is I'm religious on the oral and nasal washes and the gargles. Now, I believe it made the syndrome less severe for me, but I can tell you one thing it did do. I didn't spread it to anybody. And it's, you know, usually if I got a cold, my wife would get it and other people in the house. And I, and I didn't hear about a single person saying, Dr. McCullough, you were sick and now I got it too. Not a single one. How about you? Did you spread yours to anybody? No. What's remarkable, and I wanted to comment on that to you because, you know, as you know, my, my two um, kids, they're teenagers, of course, now they're 18 and, uh, and 20 actually now. She's in college, but they're both um, home and um, they never got it. And or, well, I say that. Now, my daughter said she had a little bit of a throat and this and that, but it was like a non-event. You know, I was so envious and so ripped. You know, I, I got to tell you, Peter, it's like I never think how I never think in the term of age for myself. I, I, it's kind of weird. I don't know about you, but I always look at myself as a young guy, still a young. I, I, I don't know why I, I just never grow up. And so I think of it when my daughter doesn't, you know, she doesn't even get this. And I say, well, you get some nerve. This doesn't even get you, but it gets me this way. I guess I'm no longer the young kid, am I? <laughs> well, you know, we're getting older. I personally, I turned 60 this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I just ran, I ran five miles yesterday. I swam, uh, you know, I worked all day. I, I, I feel great. Uh, but we are more susceptible. And, and here's the risks here. If we don't treat these syndromes intensively, you know what can happen, even with a common cold, is a secondary bacterial infection, that mm -hmm. is a bronchitis progressing into pneumonia. The vast majority of cases of bacterial pneumonia actually start with a viral upper respiratory illness, and mm -hmm. that damages the uh, lining of the respiratory tract, and then the bugs that are there invade. So we've got to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think exercise. We've been focusing on nutraceuticals and supplements, a healthy diet. Uh, there's been some recent papers, by the way, one from overseas, it's on my Twitter feed, about the relationship between a healthy diet and freedom of COVID-19. And if you get COVID-19, there's going to be a milder case. But an unhealthy diet that's loaded with processed foods, junk foods, um, uh, these people actually do the worst with COVID-19. So all the people who have been focusing on natural solutions, uh, diet, fitness, and exercise, they're right. Yeah, uh, that's been the key for me as well. And you can't take things uh, advantage. You have to really buckle down with your lifestyle. I talk about it all the time because I think it's so, so imperative for us to enjoy a quality life. And I wish that for everybody, friends. I really, really do. A life is a gift that we're just blessed to have. And so we we need to cherish that and, and safeguard it in every way that we can, uh, to be sure. This next one is from Ray. He says, I can't thank the two of you enough for your bravery and your selflessness with your time and energy. Thank you, Ray. Uh, two questions here. My wife and I both in our early 30s had mild COVID in January 21. We've not been vaccinated. My wife has been recur has recurrent headaches. Uh, since then, and some recent blood work that shows reactivated EBV. Her EBV numbers are off the chart. Uh, I know all about the reactivation of uh, the latent virus's cancer from the vax, but what, but what caused hers? Is it from shedding from vaxxed friends? I've read through publications to know that's possible, or is it just the spike uh, protein from COVID haven't affected her? 
I think it's probably the latter. Uh, you know, we know the spike protein, even with the respiratory infection. And don't forget, they had it back in late 2021. That was rough. I mean, that was uh, yeah. not uh, or late 2020, early 2021. That was the rough, really kind of battle of the bulge. And so many people were, were sick. Now, they're younger. They weren't in the hospital, but I bet they had severe illness. Epstein-Barr virus reactivation syndrome now is common. Uh, people have to work their way through it. There are, you know, the treatments people have tried uh, for this. I'm not an expert, but for EBV reactivation, I'd say seek an expert and see what the best treatment plan is. Yeah, he's got one other quick thing here. Um, he says, regarding blood transfusions, we recently used the uh, directed donation function from Red Cross. We identified non-vaxxed friends who donated blood in case we needed a transfusion. This gave us peace of mind. Interestingly, the number one heart hospital in the United States and the surgeon had never had had never uh, had anyone actually use the directed donation. Can you explain why whole blood from vaxxed individuals would not contain the lipid nanoparticle? Uh, do, do both of these elements uh, eventually find homes within the body and stop free floating around through the blood? The messenger RNA has now been found to circulate in the blood for 14 days. The spike protein is circulatory for a month. And so I, the most prudent thing is to advise people don't donate during that period of time. I think they do now ask people um, about their status. And <coughs> we have a situation where, fortunately, the seroprevalence of people having some form of antibodies, when we do high-quality research grade, not, not the commercial grade testing, is about 99%. So people actually have antibodies to neutralize a lot of the systemic free-floating uh, spike protein. And so what I tell people is, listen, uh, we are not seeing, we're two years into this, uh, there are no documented serious cases of the blood supply contamination resulting in serious outcomes. And if it, if it was there, we would have seen it. I think if you need a transfusion, use the standard, uh, you know, type and cross, type and screen approach and get a blood transfusion. I think the worries now are sufficiently behind us. Okay, there you go. Uh, this one here is from Ryan. He says, um, "My, uh, uh, let me make this brief, he said, but it's a horrible situation. My older brother, 44, was double jabbed shortly after the intro of the shots with Pfizer, uh, March 21. In August of 21, he went in for a CT scan as my family has a history of di diverticulitis, yeah, and he had some intestinal discomfort. The CT was completely clean and they found nothing. As a precaution, the doc ordered a full blood panel in September 21. When the results came back, he stated, continue doing what you're doing as your blood levels are incredible. That winter, early 22, he received a third booster jab. Months later, he started getting pains in his shoulder that radiated to his outer chest. Spring of 22, he started feeling pain in his abdomen on the side of his liver. June 22, the same blood panels were ordered. This time, the liver enzymes were through the roof. They ordered an emergency CT scan and ultrasound, and he was told he has liver cancer. And it has spread from somewhere else in his body. The doc told him he likely doesn't have long to live, and he could see one of the docs crying as she walked out of the room. My entire family is floored. This is a fit and trim man, non-smoker, non-drink, a five-year-old son. Does Dr. McCullough have any insight into this at all? Are there any cancer docs that are awake to what's going on and won't pretend like this is completely random? Um, wow. He said, God bless the American Outlaw family and thank you for all that you do. What do you say to Ryan there? 
One of the great concerns that now that we've learned that the vaccines, the messenger RNA stays in lymph nodes for months and the spike protein is in the body for uh, potentially over a year, is could the vaccines cause cancer? Mm -hmm. Now, in a paper published by Nishant Singh and uh, uh, Anuruddha Bara Singh from University of Pittsburgh, the title of the paper is The S2 Subunit of sars cov 2 interacts with the tumor suppressor P53 in BRCA uh, genes, an in silico study. So this is a, a modeling study that basically shows, listen, this spike protein looks like it inactivates some of our tumor suppressor genes. Now, uh, for solid organ tumors, kidney cancer, and others, P53 is, is commonly our uh, guardian of uh, cancer, that we actually form cancer cells, but the body has a way of identifying them and knocking them out before it becomes a real cancer. For the female reproductive cancers, uh, breast and ovaries and uterus, the BRCA or BRCA gene has uh, governance over basically uh, tumor surveillance and early detection and the body handles it. So it's defects in P53 and defects in BRCA as genetic background traits one could conceive that if you already have a mutation and a proclivity for cancer, now getting you know three installations of the spike protein in theory would take down your cancer defenses. And if a cancer would form, it's gonna go like wildfire. And that's exactly what sounds like happened in this case. And we have had case after case described. And so the questions I always have is, is it a P53 or a BRCA-related tumor? Something that's spread to the liver could have been a kidney cancer, could have been another solid organ tumor, like a gastrointestinal tumor. Uh, so the questions here are, ask if the genetics have been done in this case, and does this person have a baseline P53 mutation? If that's the case, it does make it likely, based on this chain of logic, that the vaccines have actually indeed promoted uh, the cancer. A lot more work needs to be done. We need epidemiologic studies. We need pathophysiologic studies. Uh, but this is what we get when we introduce mass vaccination into a population with genetic code that has not been studied long-term. You know, they skip the oncogenicity studies in the preclinical work. Normally, this is done in animals. And if something causes cancer in animals and these interactions are found, we don't let it uh, get into the human population. Mm. We, we didn't even get the same benefit as the animals. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we, they didn't test that on, on us and we, we became the animals, didn't we, Peter? You know, It's I mean. true, but to, to answer the question, I would say right now, based on what we know, on a more probable than not basis in a young man like this, who, who's a young father, um, on a more probable than not basis, the only new thing in his life is taking three vaccines. Uh, so until proven otherwise, uh, we, to be conservative, we'd have to assume the vaccines played a role. Um, I think this person ought to get to a major cancer center, ask a lot of questions, ask about his baseline genetics. Um, there are uh, opportunities to study and ask questions with the doctors and say, listen, could it be? This is the only new thing in my life is I've taken these vaccines. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of questions about cancer lately. I, as you say, there's a lot more to be said and written on this. But I would venture to say this is going to be a big conversation uh, down the road here, uh, which we've talked about. We're, we, you and I reported on the fact that we, we don't know all of the outcomes of this yet, but surely they will play out in the months and years ahead. Uh, and 
you know, not to create fear out there, but it's um, it, it has the potential to be a real uh, a real problem, uh, my friends. So, you know, through all of this and all the variants, um, Dr. McCullough, the um, all of these, uh, you know, again with the 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 long gated uh, aspect of this uh, pandemic that has continued on and. Uh, people still struggling with it in many ways. We've learned, to, as human beings do, to adapt around it. Uh, we, we've learned to, um, you know, live uh, a, a better lifestyle, hopefully, uh, potentially. And we talk to you about that all the time here on the platform, on the network here. Um, uh, one of the uh, products I want to bring to your attention right now is one that you hear Dr. McCullough and I talk about quite a bit because it's a very unique product. You, you know, I love unique things that can um, enhance our lives. And this one is a product called Hypochlorous, H-O-C-L. Uh, and I didn't really know a lot about Hypochlorous, but I've been quite fascinated with it since I've learned about it. The thing about Hypochlorous is it is 100% hypoallergenic. Listen to this, friends. It's 100% non-toxic. Uh, safe to use around the kids, the pets, the plants. 100 times more effective than any chlorine bleach you use. But this is totally safe. You can wash your fruits and vegetables in it. You can actually put it in your nasal. Uh, it's a nasal rinse. But here's the thing. It kills all the pathogens. It kills SARS-CoV-2, to be sure. kills superbugs and viruses and poxes. And uh, it doesn't matter what the pathogen is. Uh, the thing about HOCL is in the product that we, we're proud to have and represent here is the Genesis Fogger. And you put HOCL, follow me now, friends, into the fogger. And it's a transportable uh, a piece of equipment you put on your shoulder. And it puts a dry mist in the room and kills every pathogen going. Now, just do your imagination. Run with that. When you're having guests over and people in the house, things are happening. And as you say, Dr. McCullough earlier, uh, when you're out there meeting and greeting people or you're doing things, that's when this thing is spread. This thing is spread through the air. It's always been about the air. It's not about the, the what we were misled with early on in this thing on a package or a, something else. So what the, what the Genesis Fogger does is it cleans the air completely and gets rid of all this. I think this is really has tremendous potential, Dr. McCullough, to be a very unique product. There's no doubt. You know, I think the application that comes up the most is when someone in your house has COVID and, you know, you can't move out, but you know one person has it and you're trying to isolate in a bedroom. This is really common. When that person is in the bedroom and they sleep overnight, imagine the room is absolutely filled with the virus. The air is filled with the virus. Last night, I gave a big public program in Texas, and I had a great conversation with an expert engineer who's given high-level presentations on this. He told me that SARS-CoV-2, Malcolm, is in the air suspended for 15 hours. Wow. So when someone is in the bedroom and they have been sleeping all night and they wake up and they emerge from the bedroom, think about that bedroom being filled with smoke. You've got to get the Genesis Fogger in there and fire it up and start to neutralize SARS-CoV-2 in the air and get the windows open and start to have that air flow out. It's critical. That's the key right there, man. I didn't realize 15 hours, you're saying. Wow. It's amazing. You know, he says that, wow. you know, when you breathe out, he goes, there is a little bit of water on the particles. And as soon as it comes out in the air, within seconds, the water evaporates off and then the virus is suspended in the air. Mm, uh, the, uh, I mean, it's crazy. So that's what this fogger does is that dry, it's a dry mist. And it just kills all of those pathogens in the room. So 
Think about the applications. I used it this past week with me having it uh, because I did not want my wife to have any other bout. But I got to ask you that with with uh, with Dee, because she just, as you know, had a, her other bout with it oh, a couple of months ago. And I was concerned because she really had it bad in Delta. And I just got uh, a little nervous with it, to, to say the least, friends. And um, but she got through that okay with Omicron, obviously. And um, so her immunity is quite high right now, isn't it? I mean, she did. Uh, she hasn't flinched at all with me having the pretty good case of it here. She right. had. Does she didn't have any risk? No. Or? Well, remember, D had this uh, Omicron. That's what our clinical working diagnosis is. Around the time she was with your mother, so she was away from you. Sure. And with Omicron, that you know, if there's any saving grace with Omicron, the period of infectivity is short. So she actually had it without really fundamentally any exposure to you. You recently acquired a virus from somebody else other than your wife. Now maybe yeah. your kids brought it into yeah. the house, or maybe yeah. you, maybe you went out shopping and you got blasted when you when you you know went to you know turn the the corner on the aisle. Uh, you always worry about that when you're shopping or you're out and you pass somebody, if somebody has an uncontrolled sneeze or cough, you're cooked. Mm, there it is right there. Yeah, there it is. And what you said is so true. Uh, she was with her mom, you're right, trying to help her mom for those couple of weeks uh, to get better from her um, surgery and all. And she had had the case of it. And uh, anyways, it's, it's a story, but... Um, uh, it, but now I see clearly what's happened here. Back to the Genesis Fogger friends with that 15% off. Use the code out loud. Uh, go to uh, genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud or uh, simply even easier back at americaoutloud.com. You'll see our strategic partners right there. It's very easy to find them. They're, you know, they're not flashing or anything else. They're just there. Click on it and get all the information. There are scientific studies, all kinds of stuff there. Learn about all of this. Learn about HOCL. See what the benefits of that are. I get the feeling it's going to be a really terrific product for us to be uh, utilizing in our homes uh, for a lot of reasons. But the Genesis Fogger is very, very unique. 15% off out loud code. Remember that. We'll take a real quick pause here, my fellow Americans, and to our friends around the globe as well. want to mention that we have friends from all over the globe who love to listen to the network here. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause and we'll return. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. I want to put in a big word for healthy cell supplements. The GI tract is not functioning normally in long COVID syndrome. I'm convinced of it. There are multiple studies. We need a much better absorbed set of nutraceutical and vitamin products for long COVID syndrome, and that's healthy cell. They have an entire line that's safe and effective, uh, can help people through the long COVID syndrome. I found the best way to use healthy cell products is use them every day, not on and off, on and off. Take them every day consistently. The immune super boost, focus and memory, and the REM sleep supplement all have powerful effects in long COVID syndrome. Go to HealthyCell.com and in the promo code, type in out loud for 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. 
boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology, designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Soul of America Out Loud. Now we invite you, friends, to invest some of your time with our magnificent family of experts, their minds and voices. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20%. By using promo code OUTLOUD. And we join you back here, my friends. And uh, this is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, this is Q&A 33, uh, believe it or not. And I call this COVID 2.0 shock and awe. <laughs> and uh, that was the surprise on Malcolm. Having got uh, COVID now and uh, knocked me out of the race here. We were unable to uh, even... Uh, uh, put a, a pulse out last week. I was pretty down with this thing. Was killing my head was the problem, friends. I, I don't know why. I guess I use my brain a lot, so it was <laughs> attacking my brain. But uh, anyways, let's get back to all these questions here. This next one is from Vera. She says, if a senior who has avoided contact with others and is therefore COVID naive, uh, should get exposed to Omicron, would it be a mild case as it is for the previously infected and previously vaccinated? It, it's a mild case overall. I would say previously infected, it will be milder. Uh, paperwork quoting heavily now is by Kima Telly and colleagues showing if you've already had the natural infection and you get Omicron, there's a 97% protection against any serious outcome whatsoever. It's just like a common cold. Not so true with the vaccine. The vaccine is not making it milder. And uh, recently, former uh, COVID task force member in the White House Task Force One, Deborah Burks. Remember her, Malcolm, the scarf oh, yeah. lady? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, she came out and said, shockingly, we knew these vaccines weren't going to work. And she said, now yeah. the majority of people sick in the hospital who are there, there's not that many, but who are there, with Omicron, like seniors like this one, are fully vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do surely remember Deborah Burks there. As you say, Scarf Lady, she's quite uh, quite something. Uh, we appreciate her being truthful, at least recently, and putting that information out there. Um, this question's from Anne. Uh, my 61-year-old unjabbed, healthy husband came down with COVID. 
He followed early treatment protocols using both the IVM and HCQ, plus various nutraceuticals. It is now day five since positive COVID test. He's not had any symptoms for two days, but a rapid antigen test is still positive. Uh, would he still be considered contagious? He's wondering whether he should still be quarantining. What do you think? You know, that's a close, that's a close one. That's a, a really good question. We are finding more and more because Omicron is so fast moving that the use of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin together, uh, which was the original Brazilian approach to handle the gamma variant, is working very well. So if we actually have ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine going simultaneously, we are knocking down viral replication and symptoms are almost non-existent. We typically add prednisone, the nutraceutical supplements. This person is going to intermittently test positive now for months, for months. So the best advice is if there are no symptoms, there's no fever, there's no cough, there's nasal congestion, it's extremely unlikely this person is contagious. At three days, I think it's pushing it. At five days with no symptoms, I think he's free to move about the country. Amen. Uh, Linda asks, um, it is being reported that there have been, um, uh, let me see, six deaths in babies younger than six months of age. So, wow, there's been less than six deaths in babies younger than six months of age in one of the countries, uh, I'm sorry, in one of the counties out there in South Central Pennsylvania, far surpassing last year's rate of baby deaths. The deaths are being blamed on improper sleeping positions for the babies. I'd like to know if these mothers were vaccinated during the pregnancy as my daughter-in-law in that uh, county is pregnant. There's the caveat there. And has been uh, pressured to receive the COVID jab. She has resisted. I find it appalling that we are not being told about the true causes of death from these vaccines. That's the point I really wanted to bring out on this, this point in question she puts out there, Linda. It's more of an observation she's making uh, that uh, there's no truth. People don't know who to believe. And then you get questions or comments like this with their fear based, uh, Peter, you know, it's true. If there are clear cut causes of death, they should be stated. Remember before COVID, Malcolm, uh, someone would die and the mention would be, well, they had a long struggle with cancer or there was a motor vehicle accident or there was a suicide or a drug overdose or, uh, you know, an infant died due to, you know, congenital heart or lung disease. There's always an explanation. What everybody should be uncomfortable with is death with no explanation. And, and we're seeing it all over. You just hear announcement after announcement, death with no explanation, because we previously had explanations. And it raises the issue. The only new thing that came in 2021 and 2022 that virtually everybody took was a genetic COVID-19 vaccine. And how the regulatory world works is that if some baby or infant has been exposed to the vaccine by the mother taking it, or if the child now over six months of age has taken the vaccine, it's the vaccine until proven otherwise. That's just how the regulatory world works. When there's something new, we assume it's due to the new thing. We don't assume it's unknown, and we don't just attribute it to something else that doesn't make sense, like positioning a baby in a bassinet. There is such a thing as sudden infant death syndrome, oh, yeah. but it's well characterized. The epidemiology is well known. Mothers are educated about it, and you simply don't hear about it anymore because, you know, we've got this one. Babies should not be dying. Young people should not be dying. Mothers should not be having 
stillbirths. You know, you know the, the loss of baby uh, from the uh, second trimester on is vanishingly rare. So these things that are coming up now, the first question somebody should ask is, did, did the mother take the vaccine or did the baby take the vaccine? Which ones and when? There you go. All right. Tracy says, do you think there would be any benefit to using Dr. Chetty's hypersensitivity focused protocol prophylactically to avoid adverse effects of the COVID vaccine? My daughter's a nursing student. She's applying for an exemption, but we are trying to prepare ourselves in the event she's required to take it in order to remain in the nursing program. What do you say to Tracy? The Chetty protocol, which does largely focus on inflammation uh, and microthrombosis, uh, could be applied to vaccination to reduce what's called the reactogenicity. And that is from shot one to shot two, there's an 80-fold increase in the amount of inflammation in the body. And that's been in the briefing booklets of all the vaccines. So if, if one's goal was to reduce the intensity and severity of symptoms, it would make sense that you know a blend of antihistamines or even corticosteroids uh, to do that. Um, but I have to tell you, Malcolm, uh, if we have to take drugs in order to be, to, to, in a sense, survive the immediate symptoms of a vaccine, we have to ask ourselves, should we, t- should we be taking that vaccine to begin with? I don't want anybody listening to this to think it's okay to take a vaccine to go to work and have that vaccine cause harm. The correct mode of action here is to uh, seek an exemption, get an exemption, or change jobs. That's it. That's it. Nothing is worth the risk of your health. Uh, Linda says, I've been reading about the success in eradicating the COVID-19 virus with chlorine dioxide. Uh, Do you know about this protocol? Is it dangerous? I've not had COVID and I added this to my COVID basket, but I have concerns about its safety. The doctors I say interviewed uh, say it has 97% efficacy. Hmm. Chlorine dioxide is a topic of interest. I can tell you if you go on the website and you type in chlorine dioxide and you go to the Mayo Clinic or some other traditional uh, source of medical information, it says absolutely positively do not use the chlorine dioxide, do not use it. Um, uh, you know, it has all kinds of admonitions if you were to consider this. Yet, if you're going to go camping and you're out in the wilderness, and you want to purify a liter of stream water, you would take chlorine dioxide. I mean, that's what it's there. So let me explain. Chlorine dioxide uh, has two basic components. One is called a base mineral, and the other one's called the activator. And there is a formula for the number of drops to purify a liter of stream water. It's just a method of doing it. And for those reasons, it's a safe product. Our Federal Trade Commission obviously lets it on the market. You can buy it uh, over the counter or, or online through Amazon or any other online store. And uh, as a general rough guide for a liter of water, it's 23 drops of the base mineral, and then it's 23 drops of the activator. You actually activate it in, in a glass. And when the two are mixed together, you can actually smell the chlorine and the chemicals coming off it and you make sure it thoroughly activates and mixes, and then you put it in a liter of water and then let it literally sit in water and kill the bugs in the water. So chlorine dioxide is killing bugs in the water, but it's doing so in a way where it's still safe to drink the water. That's the purpose of drinking the water. So people have taken this idea and said, well, listen, if you do 23 drops in a liter, can I do five drops of each in a standard glass of water, eight to 12 ounces? 
And could that have some salutary effect in the body? There is a growing body of literature in the absence of large randomized trials and in the absence of careful analyses of safety, but still a growing body of literature that chlorine dioxide may have applications, anti-infective applications. So everybody, you know, should look at this. You, 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 in a sense, could you do use this or do this at your own risk. Many of you who are drinking tap water, you're drinking chlorinated water anyway. You know, there is a water treatment approach to the water we drink. Uh, this is a, a home method, and I look forward to more research on chlorine dioxide. I have a hunch, Malcolm, that chlorine dioxide is going to have future applications in medicine. Very interesting. Something to look at here. Um, Kathy says, I wrote down early in the pandemic after listening to you, Dr. McCullough, speak on a webinar. The instructions you mentioned for gargling with the povidine iodine, it's what I have done in the past and recommend to others, actually. I would just like to make sure that the amount I have is correct. I have written down to use two teaspoons of povidine iodine in six ounces of water, gargle and spit. Is that what you recommend? Mm, sounds too strong. Malcolm, too strong. A, you don't need that volume. So go to half a teaspoon in 1.5 ounces of water. Half a teaspoon. So it's half a teaspoon, Malcolm, in a shot glass of water. We're basically saying take a shot glass and kind of drip in the povidone iodine so you yeah. cover the bottom of the glass. That's all you need. It should look like dark tea. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you one thing. If it stings up in the nose, it's too strong. Pour out half of it and then dilute it with half again as much water, put a pinch of salt in there. It should be a painless procedure to squirt some of this up in your nose, sniff it back, and then spit it out the mouth. The only discomfort there is when you sniff it back, usually the liquid hits the soft palate and you kind of choke a little bit and have to um, uh, cough and spit it out. But when you do that, you're confident you've done a good nasal wash, do it on both sides, and then you'll have, easily you'll have half the shot glass left and just gargle with that and you're done. Rinse out the shot glass and you're done. That way you don't waste povidone iodine and it's a single use approach. And you can just use tap water for that. People who want to make larger volumes, Malcolm, I've seen people make like honestly, almost like a pitcher, like an orange juice pitcher of povidone iodine in the refrigerator, you know, massive amounts of this stuff. Right. If you do that, you know, you're saying, listen, you know, use distilled water, purified water. It's too much. Just get the bottle of povidone iodine, get you a shot glass and you got it. Almost every household has a shot glass. You know, I don't drink alcohol myself, but even we have a shot glass uh, in our uh, in our bar area. Just use that and you got it. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. Looking at this now, it's an eye opener to me when she says two teaspoons of povidone iodine. That's a lot of povidone iodine. That is that is heavy. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, this, that uh, uh, povidone iodine, first of all, is, I tell you all the time, is the most read post on America Out Loud, uh, by the way. And uh, on the front page of America Out Loud, on the left sidebar, further down, friends, there's an area called COVID Resources. And there's a wonderful uh, lineup of various things you can read and study and learn. And quite a few in there from Dr. McCullough, uh, to be sure. And that povidone iodine posters in there, and it gives you the whole makeup of what you're doing. There's also a new one in there, I must point out to you if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and it's a, a current up-to-date um, uh, synopsis, if you will, of the McCullough Protocol. <clears throat> and that uh, I suspect this one's going to get uh, 
uh, it's just getting out there. Not a lot of traffic on this because it, he's got a uh, Dr. McCullough's got a great write up there with it, uh, which brings it right up to current day, is what I would say. So it's a very current uh, feel of this with the graph in there and everything else. Uh, the McCullough protocol uh, against SARS-CoV-2 infection. All of those resources are on Dr. McCullough's page as well in America a lot, but they're right on the front page under COVID resources. And we have them there for that reason. They're by viably very important and we want to get them out there for folks um the other two products to mention to you that are very good we just had recently uh nathan jones on the uh, ceo of clear x-l-e-a-r uh which is a terrific product made with xylitol we did a fabulous show dr mccullough and i did with him um just recently a few weeks ago right dr mccullough and it was terrific huh it was fantastic i had a chance to meet up with Nate at the crony capitalism meeting in Washington, D.C. last week with Senator Ron Johnson, Robert Malone and Pierre Corey and a lot of distinguished guests. And you know what? That program really, really informed the public. Do you know someone came up to me last night and she said, Dr. McCullough, do you know that even dilute baby shampoo can be used in the nose as a wash and it's it actually inhibits the virus? I said, oh, my Lord. We have had such a big impact. But here's the point. The virus is so easily killed with uh, or inhibited by xylitol, baby shampoo, cartagenin, grapefruit seed extract, hydrogen peroxide, providone iodine, uh, colloidal silver, nitric oxide. The the only way you can mess up is not treat the virus up Mm. in the nose when you get sick. And that's for the common cold and for SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, and, and again, had had we said this in early 2020, had the federal government come out and made these claims properly, we would have saved so many lives. Uh, it's it's sick, people. It's sick. Just with nasal hygiene. I am so up on this, Peter. I'm so high on this nasal hygiene now. Knowing, and, and I feel horrible that we didn't use this and benefit humanity with this. Um, that show we did with Nate Jones, Nathan Jones, really cool guy, by the way, and uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, that's on that left sidebar on the front page, friends. Uh, and it's in Dr. McCullough's feed, my feed on the Voice of a Nation. We did it by daily program um, uh, on America Out Loud. Uh, but it was really an education. That's what we had planned to show for a couple of months to do it. So it wasn't, it wasn't just off the cuff. And it, it really is solid. We get re- right into a lot of the, uh, in, uh, the nitty gritty on uh, nasal hygiene. The other products we want to mention, and these are all uh, um, products we're pleased to sponsor and put out because they benefit your life. Uh, that's the kind of relationships we want here and that we do. Uh, the other one, as you know, I think you should know, there's Covix RX, and this is a powerful one. With Back to Kathy's question, the povidone iodine is already mixed in there. You don't have to worry about the juggling of how many. And a lot of people get confused with that. How many spoons, how many ounces, how many, whatever. Forget all that crap. Just get Covix RX. It's in a little transportable bottle in the nose, cleans out the nose. I used it a lot. Uh, yeah, and it helps to get that out of there, right, Dr. McCullough? It, it does. Malcolm, you know, I'm using it right now. Uh, because I was at CPAC. I had a a stage presentation at a big meeting here in Dallas. And then quickly afterwards, there were communications that multiple people that we had close contact with had COVID. Mm. And so here we go. Uh, You know, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I have to see patients in the office. I can't get another episode of COVID and take down my office practice. Mm. So I am using Cofax RX. Now, just to let people know, 
Cofix RX is a commercial product, and it does uh, use a formulation of povidone iodine that is stronger than what people use in the uh, in the homemade formulations of this, and it's longer lasting in the nose. So Cofix RX, I think, is best positioned as this prevention measure or post-exposure measure. That's exactly how I'm using it right now. And let me tell you one other observation that I've made. I'd like to see the ultimately the literature catch up with this. I have so many patients, and it's been asked on the platform, Dr. McCullough, I got COVID-19 and I lost my sense of taste and smell, mm, and yeah. it hasn't come back for months or longer. Do you know the first question I asked them now? I asked them, did you use virucidal nasal washes? Did you actually knock out the virus or did you leave the nose alone and let the virus do its full run up in the nose? Mm. And I could tell you, the people who are losing their taste and smell are not using any form of nasal spray. And those who are getting their taste and smell back are using forms of nasal sprays and washes. And so the virus does less damage to the nerves, the olfactory mm. nerve, which is in the back of the nose. It makes perfect sense. That is fascinating. That is terrific to hear that. It does make sense. And I'm thinking of applications right now in my mind uh, in that it does that. And of course, um, when um, Dr. McCullough mentioned a moment ago, when my wife was staying with uh, her mom and helping her through that episode, guess what saved her mom from getting COVID? And, I, and this blows my mind, people. This This really blows my mind. Because I was really frantic. I said to D, I said, you, you got to get, uh, you know, you got to get out of there because you can't give it to your mom. You'll, you'll kill her. I mean, she cannot get COVID. She's got comorbidity. She's at a very high risk. I said, can't do it. And she, and you know what? Cofix every eight hours. Cofix every eight hours. Her mother did it religiously. And I said, please get her. And she did. And her mother was very religious. About, and you know what? She didn't get COVID, Peter. She didn't get it. It's remarkable. It's crazy, huh? You know, it's yeah. something that you wow. know, I'm angry at myself that I didn't learn about this sooner. The literature mm. goes back a long way. Wow. Uh, you know, our program with Nate, John, that's actually worth reviewing. Nate, Nate is terrific. He said, listen, for decades, people have learned about this. And then the yeah. clinical trials, there's 12 of them in COVID-19. They were done overseas. They were done in Bangladesh. They were done in places where, you know, they don't have uh, lots of uh, high-tech treatment and they needed to do something on a population base level, but this is something that forever is changing my clinical practice. I can tell you the minute I'm exposed to somebody with a cold or someone with any viral illnesses in my house, I'm on it. Um, the Cofix RX, small bottle. The nice thing about it is it doesn't leak yep. and you can put it in your travel bag. So I actually literally have one in my travel bag because you know if I get on a plane, I get to the hotel room and I start to feel even a bit viral, I do it high-risk patients that I have, uh, I tell them, listen, just do it uh, preventively. You're going to go travel. You're exposed to 300 people on a plane. Get to your hotel room. Get out the Cofix RX and two squirts on each side. Sniff it back and you're good. That's it. Um, our listeners out loud code. I got to get in there quickly so you know that 20% uh, off you get with the out loud code or again, cofixrx.com forward slash out loud uh, or just click those sponsored banner ads back at America Out Loud. There's also a... Um, a banner ad there for clear you, you'll go right into their website and he's got a lot of information on there nathan has as well uh, with the xylitol which i really think is a great product as well so i i recommend both i i, I love both and uh because they work so that's so let the me reason. let me provide just a little comment about clear clear is a different 
uh, compound altogether. So use of uh, uh, xylitol with a grapefruit seed extract. The additional advantage of clear, in addition to covering SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19, it works for allergic rhinitis and chronic runny nose and stuffy nose. And so many people have that. They have uh, uh, mold allergies and and um, red oak allergies, and they have chronic nasal congestion. Clear is a really well-named product. It's X-L-E-A-R. Clear actually does keep the nasal passages clear, and it's designed for daily use. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, there are different products. Clear comes in a bigger bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available in, you know, every pharmacy, every store you can find all over the country. But paying attention to nasal hygiene, hygiene is probably the single greatest offshoot of the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic. Okay. All right. A couple more left and we're, we're coming right to the end here. James says, I've been a long time listener and currently undergoing COVID and using the McCullough protocol to treat, which has been very mild. I believe my two-year-old toddler might have it now. I couldn't find a treatment protocol for children. Can you direct me to where that information might be for toddlers? You know, we don't have treatment uh, protocols for children since we don't have any randomized trials. And, uh, you know, in our working groups, we've um, internally reviewed them. Actually, Paul Alexander led that effort. We don't think children really require treatment. I get that question all the time. Should I put my child on ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine? It's so brief. It's so mild. They breeze right through it. I can tell you in my clinical practice, if a child starts to, let's say, have a fever, the best way to control it is with liquid Motrin. Very important better than liquid Tylenol. You can use the two together. If a child starts to cough and wheeze, the go-to product is budesonide. Have the doctor call in a prescription for a budesonide nebulizer. Remember, little kids can't use inhalers, so we nebulize it in, and we can get it, uh, get them through it. If a child has asthma, it would be budesonide plus uh, albuterol, their typical uh, uh, nebulizer. But children get through it very quickly, so we don't have protocols with uh, antivirals and other products. Okay. And here's the final question here from Sheila says, how far out are you finding vaccines are causing death and problems after the shot is given? Are you seeing any uh, die COVID related sometime after having the virus who are not vaccinated? The vast majority of vaccine deaths occur within a few days of taking the vaccine. Anything within 30 days by regulatory practice is the vaccine until proven otherwise. Anything within 30 days. What I've seen in my clinical practice, Malcolm, and what I'm hearing across the nation is probably anything within a year. A death within a year, we need to carefully consider the vaccine. There's no doubt about it. After COVID, the respiratory illness, uh, the same principles apply, I think, probably a shorter time frame. Uh, you know, I, I would say basically out to about 90 days. So let's say someone had no, no vaccine, but they had COVID. And then, you know, two months later, they had a stroke or heart attack. Is it related to COVID? Probably yes. So I put 90 days for the respiratory infection, a year for the vaccine. Okay. All right. There it is, friends. Um, another uh, pulse uh, in the bag. Uh, this is number 33. Um, listen, thank you for being here, being part of the mission. Um, get this information out to, to folks and uh, wishing you a, a wonderful, terrific day and a jump in your step. Uh, remember, friends, uh, Merrick Rotloud Pulse, we're always a beat ahead.